Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech alumnus and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech alumnus and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, it's a busy week around the uh, sports world, kind of for both college and pro, because we got the NFL draft coming up. You want to talk about some uh, ACC draft prospects? Yeah, we had to do it at some point. What better time than to do it right now, Joey? A couple days away now from the NFL draft already. End of April. It's pretty crazy. Time's flying here in offseason. Hey, let's not act like the uh, the mock drafts aren't going to change around about 40 more times in the uh, 48 hours between now and the draft starting. So uh, no no better time than the present, but not a bad time either. You know, and looking at the draft boards, it's really interesting seeing how some of these ACC prospects have fallen and how the meteoric rise of a, a lot of them have just, like, flown right up the draft board. Mitch Trubisky, like, coming out of essentially nowhere, playing 13 games, and all of a sudden he's – essentially regarded as a top five prospect uh maybe even top two or three prospect right behind miles garrett texas a&m it's gonna be interesting to see where he falls and a number of other acc guys as well yeah we're gonna have to talk about several of these guys so uh, before we get started i thought there was a really cool article that sb nation did over the last week or two talking about if college fans were the ones dictating who drafts who, just how different some of these guys would look. Like, as college fans, we've watched Mitch Trubisky and we're wondering what all these NFL teams see in him. We've watched Deshaun Watson and don't know why people don't want him. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. And so, a uh, cool article if you want to go look that up on SB Nation. Um, they they kind of talked about some of these guys that they thought were overrated, underrated, etc. So, um, check that out if you can. But, uh, in the meantime, Mike, so we got some, some players that we're going to talk about here. Um, I looked up the, the official mock drafts that Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay did for ESPN, looked at the ACC players in particular and got kind of where they're slotted for now. And then we got some other guys on the top 100 list as far as NFL prospects and then some other guys that got left out that I think are worth talking about. And so we'll, we'll cover a lot of ground here with different players that are in consideration for some of these NFL teams. But for now, let's start with the mock drafts, and I'll start by saying that Mel Kuyper had six ACC players going in the first round, and Todd McShay had five, and as you mentioned before, kind of where some of these guys are tending to start, and it's kind of weird, Mel Kuyper starts with the number six overall pick to the New York Jets is one Mitchell Trubisky, and I think that we're in agreement that that's probably too high. Yeah, it's absolutely too high, in my opinion. But, I mean, I've seen some mock drafts that have had Trubisky going as high as two to San Francisco, which that is ludicrous. I think is ridiculous, and I don't know how true a lot of the talk has been about him potentially going over Miles Garrett, number one, but there have been rumors of that as well, which I think if you pull the trigger on that pick, you better have an answer if Trubisky doesn't pan out if you're a general manager making that call. Now, if you're looking for the brownsiest move that the Browns have ever made, it might be drafting Mitch Trubisky number one overall and bypassing Miles Garrett. I think that would be pretty brownsy. They have a track record, right? If there was one <laughs> team in the NFL that was going to make that pick, the Browns are it. Sounds right. Uh, for what it's worth, Todd McShay has Trubisky going a little further down at number 13 to the Arizona Cardinals. I guess at that point I can start being a little okay with it but overall I mean there's nothing about Mitch Trubisky's game that tells me he should be in the top half of the first round or even especially like a top 10 pick and I think Mike what you said a couple weeks ago when we talked was and you pointed out something that I, I hadn't really thought of was that Mitch Trubisky was a one-year starter at UNC because for two years he couldn't beat out Marquise Williams for the starting job 
And it's not like Marquise Williams is lighting the world on fire in the NFL right now. Not at all. I mean, you can't. You're not even the best quarterback on your own team, and you weren't even behind a solid NFL draft prospect. I mean, nobody had Marquise Williams anywhere remotely close to where Trubisky's going. A lot of these draft boards heading into this season. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, and you consider the ACC as a whole. I mean, Trubisky wasn't even the third best quarterback in the conference, was he? I mean, it's you can make an argument for Nate Peterman. You can make who I've loathed from the start you can make the argument obviously Deshaun Watson's better Lamar Jackson had a better season so it's it's interesting how these quarterbacks stack up versus how good they played in college or how well they played you know this past season Uh, I think when you look at a guy like Trubisky you know he's got the upside for an NFL prospect he's big he's got a strong arm he's relatively athletic he seems like he's been pretty durable throughout his uh, short time as a starter so there's a lot to like there as far as upside is concerned but I think you just have to go on track record I mean he made some a lot of questionable throws across the middle of the field this past season missed high a bunch which you absolutely can't do ever not even at the college level but definitely at the NFL level you can't miss high across the middle of the field he did that a bunch led to some pretty bad interceptions especially in the bowl game against Stanford so there are some mistakes that Trubisky has made that kind of you know our cause for concern, quite honestly. And so I wouldn't take him as high as he's going, but I kind of see the upside. You know, with this quarterback class, it's going to be really difficult for me if I'm a GM to pull the trigger, even if I really do need a quarterback in the top 10. I think you can look elsewhere in the draft and maybe get a depth option later and kind of build from the ground up, maybe with a defense or an offensive lineman or, or something that could help you right now, not necessarily a quarterback, and setting him up to fail. Mr. Trubisky, for what it's worth, the number 42 overall prospect in the uh, ESPN Top 100. And they've got him slotted at number 6 or number 13, so seems like an overpay. Uh, another guy that is being slotted higher than he is is maybe ranked in the uh, rankings, but again, due to some quarterback scarcity, you make a reach. None other than Deshaun Watson, uh, number 7 overall by Todd McShay to the Chargers. And number 12 overall by Mel Kuyper to the Browns. Uh, Watson is the number 28 overall prospect. Mike, does that feel a little high to you, a little low? What, what's your thought on, on how Deshaun Watson stands in this draft? Deshaun Watson's my number one quarterback, but I'm not even sure I would take him in the top 10. Uh, I, I think he's top. I think he's the best quarterback available just based on what he's done in college. Um, you know, people are questioning his arm strength. You know, I, I've seen some of the passes he's made at the collegiate level. I feel like his arm's plenty strong enough. I'm not a professional scout, so, you know, just based off what I read, uh, he's very athletic. He's durable if you take away uh, the one torn ACL, which he's come back from and rebounded really nicely. And uh, he made, made a lot of big-time plays in big-time games. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of picking players that were good at the college level right I mean Watson was a big time player on the biggest stage national championships big time bowl games national semifinals big time games within the ACC that non-conference game against Notre Dame a couple of years ago he willed Clemson to victory in that game at home in a driving rainstorm there's just a lot to like about Deshaun Watson's game and he he's battle tested he's done it on the biggest stage he's done it against you know lesser opponents throughout his collegiate career I'm a proponent of picking good football players there's a lot to like about Deshaun Watson's game so he's my top quarterback but with that being said, there are a lot of really, really good defensive players in this draft. I'd more likely than not would pick in the top 10 ahead of Deshaun Watson. I'm with you. I, I like Deshaun Watson here. And I think that we sometimes end up a little guilty of talking ourselves out of players. You know, people want to find things not to like about Deshaun Watson. Oh, the, the system he played in was too simple. Oh, you know, he's kind of slight. Oh, you know, this, that, the other thing. It's like, what I saw Deshaun Watson in college was a guy who could stand under pressure, who could make all the throws, who's got mobility, he's a leader, he's smart and knows the playbook and, and fully comfortable being that field general type. I think there's a lot to like about him. I, I think he's got all sorts of gifts. I think that it's probably fair to say that towards the end of the top 10 or uh, you know m- middle of the first round is probably about right as far as price to pay for him. Um, but I, I mean, I looked back a couple of years ago at Teddy Bridgewater. He was a guy that was, you know, looked at at the, at the top of the quarterback class going into the off season. And by draft time, he made it just barely inside the first round at number 32 to the Vikings. 
And and people kind of talked themselves out of it. They said, oh, he's got small hands. He's kind of slight. You know, we don't really know. And turns out he's just fine. I mean, he, he was never the Vikings' biggest problem. And so I think you might be seeing a little bit of a similar situation here where people keep talking themselves out of Deshaun Watson, and I don't totally get it. I think that he has every bit of the ability to do it. Um, people like to talk about how the the NFL is just kind of a different game than college sometimes. You know, you've got to be a different style of, of player to be successful or something. And it's like, I mean, we're not talking about field hockey or baseball or some totally different sport altogether. I mean, this is still football. You still need the, some of the similar skill sets to be successful in the NFL. And if you weren't successful in, the, in college, I feel like it's a lot less likely that you'll be successful in the NFL. So like you said, I mean, I'll take I'll take good football players and guys that you know, love the game and are, are students of the game and have some physical talent, you know, before guys that look great getting off the bus, but there's not really a whole lot of track record of them being dominant at the college level. If you're a GM, you have to be absolutely sure that Mitch Trubisky is a better quarterback for your football team than Deshaun Watson, which I, time and time again, because in my opinion, it's Trubisky and Watson are the top two quarterbacks and that's everybody else. It's very difficult for me to come to grips with taking a guy like Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson after everything Deshaun Watson did at Clemson. It's very difficult to make that call and to pull that trigger, but it very well, I mean, it it very well may be that this is what's going to happen. Trubisky, in everything I've looked at, is the first quarterback off the board in all the mock drafts I've seen you got to be absolutely sure, and I'm not going to be the GM to make that call. I mean, that, that would be very tough. And maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't pan out. We're completely wrong. But you have to be completely sold that he's not as good of a quarterback as Mitch Trubisky at the NFL level, and that's not a call that I would be willing to make. And you know what, Mike? If he is, and if Mitch Trubisky is successful at the NFL level, this will become the number one fan club podcast of Mitch Trubisky. Fine. And it will, as as an ACC podcast, we root for ACC players. I want to see all these guys succeed, but it's very difficult for me to see Mitch Trubisky being taken ahead of Deshaun Watson and outperforming Watson time and time again, but, you know, maybe we're wrong. I will eat a large crow dinner if Mitch Trubisky is better than Watson at the NFL level. I just don't see it, so we'll have to find out. Mike, the third consensus top three prospect coming out of the ACC from these two, uh, Kuyper and McShay, to kind of keep this moving. Mel Kuyper at number nine overall to the Bengals, and Todd McShay at number 18 overall to the Titans has Mike Williams out of Clemson. Uh, They have him at number seven overall on the overall prospects list. I'm a little skeptical of this, I think. I, I, I feel like we've been burned a little bit by Clemson receivers in the past. We haven't totally seen it from Sammy Watkins. Um, we haven't seen it a ton from a lot of these guys. Are you, are you buying on Mike Williams as a prospect, or are you skeptical too? I like Mike Williams as a prospect, but the same things that scare you scare me. Uh, the injury history of Mike Williams, I mean, he broke his neck. He, he fractured a vertebrae in his neck. I mean, that's not a pulled hamstring. That's kind of kind of serious. Kind of a serious injury. Um, so that raises a red flag. He came back, had a great year for Clemson, so that's behind him. Um, but yeah, you know, Sammy Watkins didn't quite pan out. But for Sam, every Sammy, Sammy Watkins, there's a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, I think Clemson receivers have a good pedigree to them. I mean, Sammy Watkins has all the talent in the world. He just needs to stay healthy. Mike Williams, same way. All the talent in the world has to stay healthy, which is why I think that McShay's projection of Williams going 18th to Tennessee is probably closer to where he'll actually end up. I would take Williams ahead of that. I wouldn't take him um, at number nine necessarily like Kuyper has him, but I would take him somewhere in the 10 to 14 range. I think 18 might be a little bit low, but I think that's much closer to where Williams will ultimately end up just because of the injury history than at number nine where Kuyper has him right now. I think that's reasonable. I think I agree that if the Titans are getting him at 18, that's pretty good value. I think he's he's got some gifts and some talents, but there's also some some obvious risks that are inherent there. So I think he's got some tools to be a successful NFL player, though. We'll have to see. Uh, moving on to number 19 overall, both Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have their 14th overall prospect going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's none other than Miami tight end David Njoku. Thoughts, Mike? 
I really like him as a prospect. Uh, he looked great at Miami, was able to block very well, was able to run out for passes, caught a lot of ball, big-time passes in big-time games for Miami. Uh, can make all the plays, big athletic type receiver, tight end, hybrid. Uh, you can line him up anywhere on the field. You can line him up on the line of scrimmage. You can split him out. He's the best tight end in the draft, uh, so it's not unreasonable to see him going in the top 20. I think that's a good spot for him. Uh, I'd be careful. I think a lot of people will fall in love with Njoku, and maybe he doesn't pan out quite as, you know, pan out to be quite as good as maybe projected. But, you know, Njoku, from a physical standpoint and from what we've seen of him before at Miami, there's no reason to think that he won't be a really solid NFL player. Uh, how good of an NFL tight end he'll be, who ultimately knows. But I think he has all the tools to make that happen. So I think top 20 is, is a pretty safe projection for him. You talk about a guy that looks good getting off the bus. Najoku is is big and athletic and just generally a freak. Um, very similar to other Miami tight ends we've seen come out. Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, guys like that. The big concern I think about Najoku is his hands. He, he was kind of inconsistent catching the ball in a lot of situations where he should have made catches, you know, simple, not even not even in tight coverage kind of things, but just needs to secure the ball a little better. But if, if he can get that under wraps, Mike is an Atlanta Falcons fan. I got to tell you, I hate this pick for the Tampa Bay Bucks because I don't want any part of my defense having to cover both Mike Evans and David Njoku on the field. I, I think he could be a really special player. He's He's, he would cause all sorts of problems for an opposing defense. Pairing him with Mike Evans is a very scary thought. And then they also acquired Deshaun Jackson in the offseason. So you have the speed on the outside, you have the size with Evans, and then you have the middle of the field threat with Njoku, who can do a little bit of both. That turns into a really, really good offense there, uh, especially with Jameis Winston continuing to develop a quarterback. Agreed. Moving on, Mike, to number 27 at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Both Kuyper and McShay have a, uh, a, an ACC player going here, but they're not the same ACC player. Mel Kuyper Jr., we'll start there, has his number 53 overall prospect, none other than Notre Dame's Deshaun Kaiser going here. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, either. I don't know either. You put me on the spot there. I don't know. Uh, the Chiefs don't make a ton of sense to me. Just... I don't. I wouldn't really understand that pick. Uh, I think Kaiser has the potential to be really good, but that team seems like a really bad fit. He's not a West Coast quarterback, so you're going to put him in a West Coast system behind Alex Smith. And is Kaiser actually ever going to compete for a starting job against Alex Smith, who's been a full-fledged starter in the NFL forever, it seems like now? It's really tough for me to see him going there. I don't really understand that fit there um I, I think he could go anywhere in that like 25 to 35 range so towards the end of the first round early second round I think that's a pretty safe bet maybe even a little bit further down uh than 35 but the fit with the Chiefs makes absolutely no sense to me that is a super weird fit although the thing that we've talked about before is that Kaiser is not NFL ready he needs some polishing he needs some coaching and with a, an established starter there at Alex Smith, he would have the ability to do that. He would have the time. He wouldn't be forced into a starting role. Not to mention that Alex Smith, as you mentioned, he's been around the league a long time. That means that at some point he's got to retire, right? And so maybe this is some future planning by the Chiefs. It's not as weird to me that he would be playing behind Alex Smith. What's weirder to me is the fit of the offense, the West Coast play-action bootleg offense. Kaiser didn't really run that at Notre Dame. It doesn't really seem like it would fit his strengths. He's not a – Kaiser isn't really a a rollout, dink and dunk passer. He's more of a all-or-nothing guy. He's mobile, sense. but he doesn't do a whole lot of running. Yeah. He's kind of – I mean, he can run if he has to, but he seems like he does a better job just standing up straight in the pocket. He's very mobile, so I could see him running a West Coast system, but – it's not the, what you're used to seeing from him. Yeah, I mean, the short and intermediate passing game isn't exactly something they ran a ton of at Notre Dame. It was a lot of the the deep in, the deep crossing routes, the deep out routes, uh, just the straight go route. I mean, Kaiser threw a lot of those types of passes at Notre Dame where they set up you know, the read option off of that uh, out of the shotgun. It's just very – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, just the fit of the offense. But as far as uh, 
you know, being drafted and playing behind an established veteran. I think that's what absolutely has to happen for Kaiser to be successful because I don't believe he's ready yet. Well, and that totally changes the discussion because Todd McShay has Deshaun Kaiser at number 33 to the Cleveland Browns. And at that point, you better be ready right now because they're coming straight to you if they're taking you with the 33rd overall pick, I'd have to think. Congratulations on your new starting job with the Browns. But on the bright side, Cleveland now has an offensive line that they just put millions upon millions of dollars into. That's maybe a little bit more of a positive than years past. I mean, I guess I should be saying that you won't have to start immediately because the Browns have actually committed now to Brock Osweiler being their starter. The team have that they? Houston, have they the, the player that Houston literally paid the Browns to take off of their hands. Um, they gave a second round pick and Brock Osweiler for not much of anything. The Browns were trying so hard to, to get rid of that contract as soon as they got Osweiler. Look, we'll give you Osweiler and we'll eat like 15 million of it. We're just trying to flip him for something. I mean, I, I guess I would just play Osweiler while you got him and then let Kaiser sit for a year or something. I don't know. Maybe Hugh Jackson could turn Deshaun Kaiser into something pretty quickly, but um yeah i don't know weird fits uh at number 27 so again deshaun kaiser number 27 to the chiefs per mel kuyper for todd mcshay number 27 to the chiefs is dalvin cook uh out of florida state obviously mel kuyper has him at number 29 to the packers cook is the uh, number 33 overall prospect does this feel a little low to you mike if there was one player that you and i had to bet your new house on going higher than projected it's dalvin cook i don't think there's any way he lasts till 27 he's he showed off all the tools at the combine the pro day he looked really good he ran fast he's athletic he catches passes out of the backfield he's a good blocking back he's the most complete back in the draft to me better than fournette better than christian mccaffrey mccaffrey's flying up draft boards for reasons i'm still trying to figure out he's 200 pounds he's a great playmaker but you're going to take him ahead of Dalvin Cook. Cook's my pick if I'm looking for a running back. I don't care where you pick him, top 10, top 15, cool with me. There's nowhere there Dalvin Cook could go that would be too high in my opinion. Uh, he was able to stay pretty healthy at Florida State, and even when he wasn't 100%, he carried the offense on his back. Think back two years ago when uh, Florida State was messing around with Everett Golson and Sean McGuire, a quarterback. They had no consistency in that position at all. Dalvin Cook played 8 of the 12 games that season with a severely pulled hamstring and had multiple games over 100 yards rushing. The guy's an absolute gamer. 27 seems really low for me. I like the fit with the Chiefs. I think that's a good offense for him to start out in just because of the way they run the ball, the play-action passing. The West Coast system, I think, would be really good for Dalvin Cook. And he's got a couple of established running backs in front of him that he can learn the ropes from at the next level. So I like the fit there at 27 for the Chiefs, but I don't, I don't think he lasts there. And I also like the, the fit with the Packers at 29 with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if you're going to be a running back in, in an offense, might as well go to an offense, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So two really good fits for Dalvin Cook's game, but I don't think there's any chance he lasts to the end of the first round. I think he'll be picked much higher. I got to think that between him, Leonard Fournette, and Joe Mixon, those are the pretty clear top three in terms of overall just top-to-bottom running back talent. I, I agree with what you said, that Christian McCaffrey is not complete enough of a back to be taken before Dalvin Cook in my book. Um, I will not be betting my new house for what it's worth. I'm, I'm a bit of a gambler, but I do not bet large purchases that my wife is also invested in. So That's fair. Happy wife, happy <laughs> life. That is correct. Um, between, yeah, him to the Chiefs, I like that. And the other one, again, number 29 to the Packers, I think that could be another really dangerous fit for a lot of the rest of the league. With, with what he can do out of the backfield and, and what he would be asked to do in both of those systems, I think either one of those would be really good. I, I also don't totally think he's going to fall that far, though. I, I mean, you never know, especially with recent trends in the draft, given how far running backs have fallen off in terms of value. There is plenty of a chance that maybe he does last until the very end of the first round, but um, I, I could easily see him being like the second running back off the board after Fournette, and I, I don't totally understand all this hype you know, that would put McCaffrey in front of him. Give me, give me Dalvin Cook over McCaffrey all day. Yeah, there's too much up. There's too much upside with Dalvin Cook to 
have McCaffrey go ahead of him. And, you know, you say what you want about Fournette. I mean, Fournette's a really powerful running back. I understand the intrigue there, and I think he'll be really good. And I think McCaffrey will be good too, but I, I just don't I don't love McCaffrey going ahead of Cook. I think Cook's a, a three-down back, a guy you can put in at any, at any stretch. Uh, McCaffrey is not a guy who you're going to hand the ball to 30 times a game. And we're going away from that style of play in the NFL anyway, but McCaffrey's not a three-down back regardless, but he's a guy who could split out at receiver. So the versatility makes McCaffrey a top 20 to 25 pick, but I don't think you can put him ahead of Dalvin Cook. Mike, to recap here, this brings us to the end of the first-round prospects, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Uh, Mel Kuyper, number six, Mitch Trubisky to the Jets. Number nine, Mike Williams to the Bengals. Number 12, Deshaun Watson to the Browns. Todd McShay, number seven, Deshaun Watson to the Chargers. Number 13, Mitch Trubisky to the Cardinals. Number 18, uh, Mike Williams to the Titans. So you got three consensus top picks, I guess, out of the ACC. And then from there... Both have Najoku, number 19, to Tampa. Uh, they have Deshaun Kaiser, number 27, to the Chiefs. That's Mel Kuyper. Dalvin Cook, number 27, to the Chiefs, from Todd McShay. Dalvin Cook, number 29, to the Packers, from Mel Kuyper. And uh, Deshaun Kaiser, number 33, to the Browns, for Todd McShay. From there, there's a pretty big drop-off here. Uh, we get to the very, kind of towards the end of the second round, Mel Kuyper has Nate Peterman, number 57, to the Houston Texans, as Todd McShay has him, number 59, to the Chiefs. And, I I mean, I got to think that you're getting pretty good value on Nate Peterman as a second-round quarterback, right, Mike? I think so, and not only are you getting good value, but if he goes to Houston, you get the battle of the Pittsburgh quarterbacks. You get Tom, oh, hell yeah. Tom Savage Sign me up. and Nate Peterman. Like, Sign me up. Battle of the play-action passer. <laughs> Like, let's do this thing, Houston. And it's your last chance if you're Bill O'Brien, so you better strike gold on this one. Is that is that the battle of the Pittsburgh quarterbacks that transferred from Tennessee? Oh, I believe it is. Did Savage – I think Savage might have transferred from Tennessee. Uh, uh. Rutgers and – let's see. No, maybe it was just Rutgers and then I think – I thought he played on the West Coast somewhere. Maybe I'm – oh, well, anyways. Peterman's from Tennessee. Um, Players that transferred to Pittsburgh, yeah, now in the uh, Houston Texans organization. Um, I, so we, we kind of talked about this, and, and the, the whole Nate Peterman thing has been a bit of a running saga on this podcast of, you know, you not believing in him. And I, that, I think that's totally fair. There's plenty of reason for skepticism, and, you know, it's all, it's all good and fun. But if we're being very honest with each other, so there have been reports that a lot of people would call Nate Peterman the most NFL-ready quarterback in this draft. I don't think I would go that far, but I will say that I think he's being a little overlooked in terms of his tools and what he could bring to an NFL team. And I think if you are getting him towards that maybe end of the second round, early in the third round, I think that's reasonable value for what you're investing in him versus what you would have to invest in other guys such as a Mitch Trubisky or a Deshaun Kaiser and what you would get from them. Um, I, I, I really like the idea of taking Nate Peterman here, and I, I think that there there is potential here, especially if he's afforded a little bit of time to marinate in a system before being thrust into a starting role. I like the idea of surrounding your offense with different pieces, offensive line, receiver, running back, and then waiting on a quarterback. And I think if Peterman's there mid to late second round, early third round. I agree with you. I think that's good value. And I would almost, and I've made fun of Nate Peterman plenty, but I would much rather wait on a quarterback in the first round. Let somebody else take a chance on Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, and maybe pick a guy on defense who you think will be a difference maker if you're in the top four or five, a, a Jamal Adams, a Miles Garrett if you're the Browns at number one. I, I, I don't think about taking a quarterback. I just... I, t- I surround my defense with pieces to help out a quarterback, to flip the field, you know, give you good field position, right? And I think that's just as important at the next level rather than drafting a quarterback who has nothing around him, no offensive line, bad running game, not great receivers. I mean, rather than setting up a quarterback to fail, why don't you surround your quarterback or the rest of your team if you're picking a defensive player with pieces to be successful and then waiting on a quarterback like Peterman uh, later in the draft. I think that's a good move. So I think if you're getting Peterman late second, early third round, that's that's good value. I agree with you. You have to build that foundation before you fill it with nice things. 
There's no point in hanging a big, beautiful, expensive chandelier in your tool shed. I mean, if it's not if it's not built out to last in, in, in a way that is sustainable, it's it's a waste. So I, I'm with you. Yeah, get the uh, the defensive line, the offensive line, some of the skill guys. You know, make the not sexy pick, and then get Nate Peterman as a, another maybe potentially not sexy pick. Don't put a chandelier in your tool shed, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> don't don't put the chandelier in your tool shed. Please don't. Last pick from the uh, first two rounds from Kuiper McShay, number sixty, Josh Jones out of uh, NC State, the safety going to the Dallas Cowboys. He's the number fifty overall prospect according to ESPN. Kind of snuck up, didn't really have a whole lot of star power or, or clout to his name, we'll say. But a guy who who's very talented, he was top 10 in the ACC in tackles, both just total tackles as well as solo tackles, uh, is, a, is a physical specimen. And I think he could sneaky be one of the better players that comes out of this draft in terms of secondary players. Maybe I'm selling him a little too, uh, too strong here, Mike. He lays the lumber for sure. I mean, he he runs downhill and makes a lot of plays uh, right up close to the line of scrimmage against the run a, a ton. I mean, we saw that a bunch uh, when, when he was playing for NC State on a defense that wasn't that great, and he was the one guy out there consistently making plays. And the fit with Dallas, I think, is very, very promising, just given the fact that Dallas – has been trying to get younger in the secondary for a number of years, and you continue to get younger with a guy who could be, you know, perhaps a very underrated player. So, yeah, I like the pick there. He's flown up draft boards, so there's a little bit of risk because maybe he uh, wasn't a guy who was seen as, you know, maybe a, a guy picked in the first, you know, two and a half, three rounds. Uh, he was, you know, originally slated as like a late third, early fourth round pick, and now he's going – it looks like he might be drafted almost a round earlier than before, so good for him to improve his value. But, you know, there is a little bit of risk there, but I think the upside's there as well. Moving on to the remainder of players that we find in the top 100 prospects for ESPN, there's six more of these that didn't make either of uh, the, uh, the the mock drafts, I guess, for the first two rounds from Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. At number 64, uh, Clemson quarterback Corderea Tankersley. Not sure how he's fallen off so far. I kind of would have definitely thought of him as a first two-round pick, Mike. Yep, me too. Um, Tankersley made a lot of plays for Clemson in that secondary. Uh, You know, some of it might have been a product of just having a really strong front seven, but if that's the knock you're going to give against Tankersley, I mean, I think you're going to have to find something a little bit different to criticize him about. Uh, Has valid some injuries at times. Maybe that's why he slid down the board a little bit, but... Yeah, I think Tankersley's a really good corner, so if you're getting him in the early third round like he's projected right now, uh, that's that's good value um, depending on who's picking him and the defensive fit and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, he's he's been a really good player for Clemson for the last couple seasons, so I think uh, he's definitely a guy who could go in the second round, so to see him fall to the third I think would be a little bit of a surprise. His size and athleticism and just general ability at the corner spot, I think somebody's getting really good value if you get him in the third round. Moving forward, you got a couple of Seminoles. Uh, number 72, Roderick Johnson, offensive tackle. And number 84, the of course, Demarcus Walker, the defensive end out of Florida State. Uh, I think those guys both have plenty of potential, especially Demarcus Walker could be pretty good. Uh, number 87, uh, your boy, tight end Bucky Hodges out of Virginia Tech. I think that's kind of low for him. Is that is that reasonable? I mean, he's a gifted guy, man. I think that's low uh, given how he tested at the combine, how good he looked at his pro day. Uh, how good he's looked at Virginia Tech. I think there's a little bit of question about his hands. He could make the difficult catch, and then sometimes the easier plays across the middle of the field, he didn't make some passes that he should have caught, maybe went through his hands. But he's 6'7". He runs well. He ran like a 4'5'40". It's 6'7". That's pretty hard to pass up. I have a hard time thinking he'll last until 87. That's towards the end of the third round. I, I think he's a fringe late second round pick that's where he i saw him on a ton of mocks up until recently i think a lot of guys have jumped him i'm not really sure why he hasn't really done anything since the pro day or the combine to really hurt his draft stock at all so i think it's interesting that he slid like he has but uh a lot of upside there with bucky hodges not a lot of guys are coming out six seven running a four or five and catching all the passes that he does so uh, he's going to be a hybrid type player a guy more in the mold of a jordan reed rather than like a Martellus Bennett, for example, who lines up on the line of scrimmage and uh, 
in line there. He's not going to be an in-line blocker on a lot of plays. He's a guy you're going to want to split out, play more like a receiver, but he's shown the speed uh, to get the job done on the outside at the NFL level. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But I do think 87 is a little bit low. I mean, if, you, if you're a team that needs a tight end, though, and you offer me David Njoku for a first-round pick or Bucky Hodges for a third-round pick, I think I'm okay taking a Bucky Hodges with a third-round pick. That's 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 good value at that tight end position, I think, if you're getting Bucky Hodges there. And there aren't a lot of tight ends that are going to go between Njoku and Bucky either. So I think if you know Bucky's still on the board and you're picking middle of the third round, I think is a really attractive option there. Someone else that seems pretty low and could be really attractive, at number 93 out of Clemson defensive tackle Carlos Watkins, liked a lot of what I saw there and, and reminds me a little bit of Grady Jarrett from a couple years ago. The Falcons have him playing on their interior defensive line, and he was a guy coming out that he was a third or fourth round pick, and that just seemed low. I mean, if he wasn't a guy that I think uh, got a lot of accolades in terms of draft type or anything like that, but just another one of these guys that if you just watch him play in college, you know what he can do, and you want that guy on your team. Yeah, I think the question with Watkins was the conditioning, but you look at Watkins and all the plays he was able to make for Clemson, on the interior defensive line. He's a big-time player. Uh, you know, the tape speaks for itself. So, yeah, I think 93 is a little bit low, but I think you get a lot of value for him there in the third round. Grady Jarrett was actually a fifth-round pick, I should say, the 137th overall pick by the Falcons in 2015. So uh, pretty low. I, I think that there's – if you're looking for an interior lineman, there's, there's definitely better guys in this draft than Carlos Watkins, but – I think if you're getting him early to mid-third round, you're doing just fine in terms of value and what he can bring to your defense. So something to look at. The last player in the ACC on the top 100 prospects from ESPN, number 94, Dorian Johnson, offensive guard out of Pittsburgh. I like Dorian Johnson more than I do Roderick Johnson of Florida State, but they've slot. I mean, I think they're both very good, but they slot Dorian Johnson about 20 spots lower. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, was obviously the pillar of that Pittsburgh offensive line that blocked so well over the last couple of seasons for Caudry Allison and James Conner when he returned and um, protected the blind side of Nate Peterman was uh, lined up on the left side of that offensive line at guard. So really good player for Pittsburgh over the last you know few seasons, was a four-year starter there. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty safe pick if you pick him there uh, early fourth round. There were a few other guys, Mike, that stuck out to, I think, both of us as as we kind of reviewed these top 100 lists of players that were noticeably missing. And and not to say that they necessarily should have been in the top 100, but, I mean, maybe some guys that are worth taking a look at elsewhere in the draft or otherwise just noteworthy players coming from a few uh, of these ACC teams. The first one that stuck out to me, and, and I thought that this guy was going to get a little bit more hype than he was getting for sure, was uh, quarterback Brad Kaya out of Miami. Again, I mean, we talk about value picks. If you're going to give me Brad Kaya with a fourth-round pick or Deshaun Kaiser with a first-round pick, give me Brad Kaya. And this is a guy a year ago who we were talking about being a potential top quarterback in this class. So he has slid quite a bit, um, battled some interception issues, some inaccuracies. Uh, over the past season looked really really solid the last five or six games last season though which gives you some cause for optimism uh, if you know you're a fan of Brad Kaya um, you know a Miami fan that wants to see him succeed at the next level you know no Miami fans really have anything real bad to say about Brad Kaya so it's interesting that he's just completely fallen off a guy who was considered to be one of the top prospects a few years back when you were projecting quarterbacks you know had a couple of um couple of seasons where you know he you know terrible offensive line play coupled with some inaccurate throws and all of a sudden now you're the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board generously and you're sitting here all of a sudden in a late late third early fourth round pick so he's fallen off quite a bit but I think he would give you good value as a developmental type quarterback for what it's worth CBS Sports has pretty comprehensive draft rankings of all of these different prospects they have him at the number seven overall quarterback behind Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser, Pat Mahomes, Davis Webb, and Nate Peterman. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I could I could take him before maybe one or two of those guys, but I think it's more just that he's fallen so far at you know to be falling out of the top hundred prospects. You know, if you 
if you had told me that a year ago, I would have been really surprised. And and I do think there's still some developmental needs there for him, but the tools are there, and it seems like he's. I mean, it's not like he's just so much more unpolished that I, I would take a guy like Kaiser three rounds before him. Yeah, and especially a guy like Pat Mahomes, who's got like a huge arm and terrible footwork and tries to hit the home run every play. Wouldn't you have rather have Brad Kaya, a guy who you know, thinks his way through the game, has a strong arm, can get by with it if he has to, has good footwork, has the tools to be a pro-style quarterback. Mahomes is is flashy, so I think that's why he's going to go ahead of Brad Kaya, obviously. But, uh, you know, Kaya is just much more poised and seems much more ready to handle a pro-style offense than Mahomes. But since Mahomes is so flashy and makes some incredible throws and some incredible plays outside of the pocket, it looks like he's going to go ahead of Kaya. Another guy, Mike, that is – ominously missing from this list uh, that I think has some some NFL potential maybe maybe you disagree has some injury concerns but is James Conner um, he's a, a back that can kind of do a lot of different things obviously came back from a a debilitating knee injury uh, in 2015 but a guy who I mean I think there's a lot to like here and, and again CBS Sports looking at him as like a fifth round pick I'm perfectly good getting him in the fifth round, and I'd maybe even look in like the third or fourth at him. I would too. I mean, this is a guy who ran for almost 2,000 yards a few years ago. Um, I understand that was before a knee injury and cancer, but he came back from both, was very good for Pittsburgh this past year. It was almost like he didn't miss a beat. Uh, guy who's shown resiliency, he's a good leader, made all, you know, made all the right decisions at Pittsburgh, pushed really hard through some very tough situations. There's a lot to like there. Uh, especially in the fourth or fifth round if you're looking for a running back. I think James Conner could really help a football team. Mike, I think that you were personally offended at the uh, omission of one Isaiah Ford from this list. Yeah, uh, Ford didn't test well at the Combine, so he's sliding down draft boards, but he's a football player. He's the all-time leading receiver at Virginia Tech. So, you know, be my guest if you want to pass on him, but he's – made crazy catches he has good in-game speed you know can run across the middle not afraid to take a hit can run all the deep passing patterns he's very good when the ball's in the air of getting separation from the defender I think that's one of his major strengths and something that will play well at the next level look I mean I understand if you're John Ross from Washington you run like a 4-3-40 I understand why that's attractive but it doesn't really matter if you can't separate from coverage that well off the line of scrimmage. I think that's something that Isaiah Ford does extremely well. So I think he's just going to be undervalued. And if that's the case and he goes in the fourth round, I mean, he's, he's got pro bowl potential uh, at the next level. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Just all the physical gifts that he has making plays on the football um, when it's in the air and being able to separate from coverage are two of his strengths. And you need to do both of those at the next level to be successful. So I think Ford's going to make a team very happy. Um, you know, I liken him to, um, I don't know, a guy who could be a very, a very good slot receiver, but can also play on the outside. He's got a little bit of both. He, d- he played a lot more on the outside at Virginia Tech, but he's a very good route runner. So yeah, he's, he's just in test well, and he's ranked really low. And I think it's kind of a joke where he's listed right now, but Hey, fourth round pick. I think that's great value. The other guy that got left out of here was uh, Ryan Switzer, I, another guy I think could be really good value at late in the draft, a, a really good slot receiver type of prospect. Um, a couple of linebackers here, Mike, that are barely even looking like they're in the draft according to uh, CBS Sports. They're looking at you know seventh round or free agent type grades. Ben Bulware and Matt Milano. The Milano thing is a surprise to me. Uh, Milano's got a lot of upside. Uh, just because of how good he was at Boston College, led one of the best defenses in college football for multiple seasons there as a starter, right in the interior of that defense. So, you know, a little bit undersized, I get it, but he could be a really good player. Bullware, also a surprise. Neither you or I is a fan of Ben Bullware, just the individual, but I think he's a really good football player. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we're just showing a little bit of ACC bias, but I think those two guys have have made more than enough plays in the ACC to be drafted a little higher than where they're projected. I will not be joining the Ben Bowler fan club at any point in my life, but that doesn't mean that I don't think he's a good linebacker. I, I think that he's a guy that 
uh, really could do a lot of things on a defense. And if, if you let him get to undrafted free agent free agency, I mean, good grief. I, I would take a fifth or sixth round flyer on him at the very least. Um, I, I think he could be pretty good. The last guy on this list, Mike, that uh, that I haven't, I guess I haven't seen in, in particularly high light uh, is Corn Elder, cornerback out of Miami. And I'll say that when we first started talking about this, um, I, I had some size concerns about him. He's not big. He's 5'10", 180, something like that. He, I mean, I, I wonder if he's going to be able to do what he can do at the NFL level. But then again, I mean, we've seen guys of similar size able to do a lot. You look at Tyron Matthew, guys like that. And man, I, I've, I've started kind of coming around to this thinking that Corn Elder could be, could be really good, and at least to the level that he's more than a, a fourth or fifth round corner type of production, if, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, he's more than capable of even being a third or fourth corner on a defense coming in playing in the nickel. I mean, what's what's not to like there? He's made enough plays in Miami. He, we've seen him in the slot corner. We haven't seen him cover a ton outside, but he can do it. I think at next level he's a perfect fit as like a third corner on defense and being very productive in that role, being a good rotational player and making a lot of money doing it. I think he could easily step up in the nickel and help support the run a little bit. You know, he could help support the pass a little bit. I think he could kind of do a lot of everything. He won't dominate a game from a corner perspective. You're not going to have anybody going to Elder Island, but he could still be a very effective corner, I think, in the league. Mike, that's all I got. Who'd we miss? Gerard Evans. I'm just talking burgeoning about... NFL quarterback prospect Gerard Evans. Unbelievable! I can't believe he even came out. Now projections are saying that he might not even be drafted. I honestly, we were sitting here thinking of prospects that we should talk about, and he was one that just kept coming to my mind. Of why did you leave college? Why did you do it? It makes it doesn't make a ton of it. Not even a little bit of sense. It makes no sense. So it makes pretty much no sense. Yeah. Um, so I think he might end up up a creek, and that is that is absolutely a shame. Yep. Because you know, if he stayed at Tech and developed a little bit more as a passer, you know, maybe he's not a first or second round pick ever, but maybe he's still, you know, a third or fourth round pick, and that's a heck of a lot better than where he could end up based on the latest projections. A more formidable NFL prospect, at the very least. Um, yeah, that's. I, I mean, I can't think of any other uh, players that really stand out in my mind of guys that should be getting some draft attention. As as far as Georgia Tech goes, I think Justin Thomas might might get a look towards the very end of the draft, or as an undrafted free agent, athletically. Um, I think Freddie Burden and uh, Harrison Butker both could get you know and slip into the very end of the draft from Georgia Tech. Um, but I, other than that, I mean, I, I can't think of a whole lot of guys that I really want to, that I really need to talk about. One quick one. How about Elijah Hood? Oh, I, I, yeah, he's a guy too at running back. I mean, an all purpose type back who, I mean, he can catch a ball out of the backfield. He's a, a big, powerful guy with some speed and he's a guy I'd be looking at too. I mean, he, he might be a, a less gifted back say than like a Joe Mixon, but he wouldn't come with the personal baggage that you would get from him as well. And he was annually underused. I mean, he was just, that was somebody who Larry Fedora should have made sure the ball was in his hands a lot more than it was. He fell in love with, oh, I got Trubisky and Marquise Williams. I got all these receivers and look at Bug Howard over there and Matt Collins. Should have been running the damn ball. And yeah, look at, you know, Switzer in the slot and uh, run the ball. Run the dang ball. Just give it to TJ Logan and Elijah Hood. Or now you can give it to, oops, there's nobody there anymore. They're going to so, be really bad. They're going to be pretty bad this year. I Yeah, I'd be bracing myself if I were a Tar Heel fan. In any case, um, Mike, there's something that we, we haven't talked about that I just kind of remembered a minute ago that I want to do. Um by the way, do, and this is not NFL draft related at all, so do you have anything else before we uh, before we move on? I think I might know where this is going. Okay, well, we're about to get out of here, but before we do, um, something that uh, one of my one of my favorite college football podcasts, The Solid Verbal, one of the things that they do at the end of podcasts is uh, they, they give shout-outs to all the people that like and share all their stuff on Facebook and on Twitter. And I thought we might want to try to do the same thing here. Is that okay? We could do that. All right, gnarly. 
Uh, I've tried to keep a list of people that have liked the page as well as shared our stuff. So without further ado, for a, a share, thank you to Chris Wright and for our new Facebook likes. Thank you to Keith Derrick, Nick Fletcher, Lindsay Rosenhagen, Grant Hefley, Taylor Witt, John Cashman, Lord Renaud, David Lelac, Tanvir Chandock, Matt Wilson, Bridget Gorda, Chelsea Sanders, M Brian Murphy, Zach Slaney, John Cordova, Luke Fort, Jared Heimer, David Cummer, Chad Parker, and the beautiful and gifted uh, and intelligent Maggie Weaver. That was a nice shout-out at the end. Nice touch. I thought it might be. So uh, thank you to all of you guys who have liked the page, who are sharing our stuff. We, we definitely want to uh, give you shout-outs for doing so, uh, so please continue to do so. Mike, I think this does it for this episode that we intended to go for about 30 minutes, and it's now gone for 50. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Enjoy the NFL draft, everybody. Please do. Uh, give shout-outs for all the uh, ACC players that are drafted. I think I'm going to try to keep track and be on Twitter throughout. So if you are curious to see my thoughts or anything like that, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at FTRSJoey. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MikeMcDanielACC. And together, you can follow us both at, at BCPodcastACC. Uh, you can also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. That was smooth. Um, yeah, if you got thoughts or questions or comments or concerns or whatever, just please send them to us via email. And uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play, Basketball Conference Podcast. And Mike, where else can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, Joey. Hell yeah, they can. Facebook.com slash Basketball Conference or just search Basketball Conference Podcast on Facebook. But we really appreciate your all support. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, give us a shout out if there's something that you heard that you really disagree with. If you thought you saw heard some cool insights. Uh, if you want to hear more sound effects or, you know, just whatever your thoughts are on this show, please let us know. Mike, we do this again sometime in the uh, near future? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's do it. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Go ACC.